Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome back to the Wolverine.com podcast. Uh, I'm John Borton. We got a fun one for you here tonight. You know the guy up in the upper right corner. That would be Tom Crawford. He, you can catch him on Press Pass with Jack Ebling and such uh, foils as Rico Beard, etc. on Sunday nights. Well, we might mention Rico later in the podcast. Yeah, do uh, but, but and, and Tom, with his Crawford Podcasting Network, uh, does great work there. We've got a special guest tonight, lower right That would be one Mr. Barry Gallagher, author of this book, The Greatest Football Story Ever Told, Michigan-Ohio State, 1897 through 2022. Wow. So we're going to be talking about that tonight, but we're also going to be talking about a lot of Michigan football and Michigan-Ohio State, so it'll all kind of meld together. Uh, Great to have you guys with us. Well, looks like a great stocking stuffer or under the tree there, Barry. I, I got, I got, a, I got to ask for that one from Santa Claus. That looks like a heck of a gift there, Barry. Well, you'll need a big stocking because it's seven by ten, <laughs> one hundred pages. So it's it's got to be a stocking on steroids. But yeah, it's, under the tree. Yeah, under. The oh tree. yeah, yeah. Well, Tom could come up with one of those. I am positive of that. <laughs> All right, we're gonna we will be talking all about the book, and I'm fascinated by it as well. Uh, I want to start this podcast with a few uh, Michigan football warm up questions, and the first that everybody's talking about: Michigan TCU. Can Michigan get past that game to get to the big one, to the championship game? And I'm going to start with uh, with Barry because um, he's our, our guest that isn't uh, a almost a co-host here, as Tom Crawford is. Uh, we get to see each other every week. Barry, as you look at this game and as you've looked at this Michigan team this year, your thoughts about their ability to uh, compete with TCU, obviously a team that can score itself, but maybe a little more uh, – deficient on the defensive side of the ball. Your thoughts about this game coming up? 
Well, I agree with that assessment exactly. And I, as I was listening to the last couple of weeks on your podcast with Thomas uh, weighing in on some things, you guys already talked about a lot of that stuff. And I think you're right on. I think TCU is an excellent team, well coached. Their strength is offense, uh, defense. They're gonna you're gonna score some points on these guys. And if we can do what we did to Ohio State, like you guys also talked about last couple of years, where you slow down their offense, make them kick field goals instead of get touchdowns. Uh, Michigan, I'm I'm confident they can win by double digits. Okay. Very confident. Okay. Very good. Tom Crawford, as we get closer to this one, does your uh, does your confidence grow? Well, first of all, I'm a worry war. You know that, JB. Um, <laughs> And Barry, now you'll you'll learn that uh, before this podcast is over. But I, you know, I'm I like uh, uh, some great points made. But I I like Michigan running the football against TCU. I think that is a workable proposition in this game, which will control the clock. But my worries and the worry factor here, Max Duggan, that dude, you know, a uh, Heisman Trophy finalist, tougher than nails, and they got this big receiver named Quentin Johnson, who's a tall receiver, uh, very efficient. Um, he had a hundred, almost 140 yards of, 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 of receiving yardage of, against Kansas State. He's a guy that Michigan receiving core or, or, or uh, secondary core has had trouble with. Remember I talked about the 50-50 balls. This guy can catch him wide open. He can catch 50-50 balls. He's long. And that's the worry part of can Michigan secondary step up and make the necessary plays. And if they can – Without giving up, you know, big chunk plays, I think they're going to be in pretty good shape. Okay. Well, here's what I like about uh, Michigan as you approach this game. The, the Obviously, you don't have back the biggest piece of the puzzle because Blake Corum is not going to be back for that game. We've all talked about that. We know that. But there are other pieces that are either – possibly coming back or growing in confidence and gaining. I think of Will Johnson. You've seen him uh, in that Purdue game, how he took such a huge leap forward. And he's got to come into this, uh, this playoff brimming with confidence. You haven't seen uh, Mike Morris, one of the key factors in that defense. You could see him in this game. He's, uh, he's had more time to heal. And a guy like Donovan Edwards, you know, he's, he played those last couple of games with a cast on his hand. Will he be – I would think at the very least he would have some downsized protection for that hand. And he's been effective even running with it. I just think that this time is going to really help Michigan. Uh, and I know that uh, certainly TCU will have guys in similar shape, but – to get Michigan closer to the team that was, uh, you know, has gone 13 and 0, I just think is is a big deal for them. Go ahead, Tommy. Did you have, you have something? Yeah, I wanted to, uh, to dovetail off that, John, because um, I want to. I, I think you, you mentioned some key guys coming. I, I tell you what, the defense. Uh, Mike Morris, I hope he's healthy. I, I, I kid you not. And I don't. And I really haven't got a clear image of if, if he is going to be healthy. I mean, he he didn't dress in the Big Ten championship game. And then I, you remember Junior Colson went out of that game at middle mm -hmm. linebacker at the mic. Right. I think Jimmy Rolder was in there quite a bit. Number 30, number 30 is the number that you're seeing out there more. 
and and he's a true freshman. And so, uh, and, and I think the kid's doing a really nice job, but um, it's that linebacker level all season long that has concerned me. So even, even in an aerial game like that, you're going to get shallow crossers. And so um, that's the part, Mike Morris's health and, and then how the secondary, the second level, i.e. the linebackers, the Mike linebackers, the Will linebacker, how they perform, I think is going to be critical slowing down this TCU offense. All right. While you're still in the big box, uh, we want to. I, I want to throw this one at you, Tom. Has your have your thoughts changed at all on who, if Michigan does advance, you want to see in that championship game? <laughs> uh, that's just a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, I'm gonna tell you what, guys. I go both ways on. I mean, I, you know, it's like. Uh, would it be nice to have Ohio State knock off the Georgia Bulldogs, uh, do Michigan's dirty work, the defending national champion, take them out of the picture? Because Michigan knows they can beat Ohio State. But still, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm a realist, too. It's hard to beat you know, a rival. Um, I mean, there was a two-hour episode of Big Ten Network last night about Michigan-Ohio State. And, and Barry's written, wrote in a, written a book about this thing. I mean, it's like there's a lot. There's going to be a lot of angst and anger coming from that Ohio State side in that game. That concerns me on a payback basis. I'd rather play Georgia, to be honest with you, because then Michigan has, and I'm being totally candid here, then they have the uh, payback card they can play. And I think this is a more doable win beating Georgia this year versus last year. They have those outstanding tight ends. They got a, a Heisman Trophy finalist quarterback, just like seemingly everybody else. Um, except Michigan. But, I mean, I, I really think that um, I'd I, I rather play Georgia, and I like Michigan's chances against Georgia as much, if not better, than against Ohio State. All right, very good. Barry, you're up on this one. We put you in charge, and we say, okay, you can name your opponent in the championship game if Michigan gets there. Who would you prefer to see? I, I, I think Georgia. I want to see them – get a chance to get another shot at Georgia. We're a little more up again, and you guys know that Georgia is a little down, but they're still not <laughs> – they haven't lost a lot. But some of the defensive guys they lost were incredible last year, and they really made things hard for Cade. This year we got J.J. He's, he's going to present a different dynamic, and uh, it's going to be – I think it's going to be a heck of a game, but I like Michigan's chances, and I definitely want Georgia. Ohio State – I hope they get blown out in the <laughs> dome, and and they got all year to ruminate about it, and yes. then guess what? Then they get to come back to Ann Arbor next year for revenge. Good luck, boys. <laughs> well, there you go. And I, I'll tell you what, I'm I'm on the Georgia train as well, uh, and it's it's kind of like what what Barry was uh, hinting at after uh, late in that uh, late in that answer. I just don't think that Ohio State deserves to be in the championship game, even if it deserves to be in the playoff. It had a chance on its home field in its last game to at least play Michigan to a, a you know a last possession type of game, and it got beat by three touchdowns. It was clearly kicked around at the end by a Michigan team that was coming in with a lot of people expecting it not to be able to uh, win that uh, uh, 
game where Ohio State had so much motivation and the Heisman finalist quarterback and the loaded offense with NFL players and all that kind of thing. So I'm still squarely in the, uh, you know, Bulldogs, go ahead and get it done. And then we'll see we'll see that rematch and see what Michigan can do. But do you think that's going to happen? I mean, that there that's the bigger question for me is I'm trying to visualize what's going to happen in this game on New Year's Eve, uh, as I typically stay home for New Year's Eve and as the last 30 years of my life. And it's like that's what I'm going to be doing. And um, I'm, I'm I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to see. And, and, you know, part of me thinks they're going to get, you know, Georgia's going to roll them. But then, you know, Ohio State's got so much talent, the wide receiving core, and they got, you know, I mean, I see that part. And then I see, oh, it's going to be in Atlanta near Athens. Uh, Georgia fans will just pack the place. But you know what Ohio State fans do? They travel well. They'll be represented. So I, I guess I want to know from you guys. I'm going to I'm going to steal the steering wheel here. What, what do you think is going to happen? I. I think Georgia's going to win, but I don't. I don't see a blowout. What do you think, Vivi? I could see if Georgia gets it going early, that it this one could get a little bit out of hand later on, like the the Michigan game did. Because, yeah. you know, you you say that Ohio State's been given new life and motivation, and absolutely, Ryan Day will sell that. This is a whole new season. We we've given second life and all that. Okay, but you've got a quarterback that was ready to walk. He was not going to play in a bowl game. So all of a sudden he does this shift, so he's incredibly motivated. Do all these players suddenly shake off that Michigan game that easily? And uh, all right, we're ready to go. Let's, let's, Let's do it. I just I wonder about that, and I wonder about the fan representation. I mentioned this before, but okay, they Ohio State does travel well. Does it travel well after uh, getting its tail kicked by Michigan at home in the final game? Barry, your thoughts. Good point. Well, I I totally agree with that. And again, it's it's a home game for Georgia, and that place is going to be rocking. Those people down there. I've been to games in Georgia. I saw Georgia Tech play Southern Cal a number of years ago, and there's some big time football fans there. And this is going to be a very unfriendly crowd. The Buckeye fans will get you know get get some tickets, and they'll show up. But it's going to be a Georgia crowd, and Georgia, I think, will take advantage of that. And like, like you said, if Georgia gets off to a good start and and starts affecting Ohio uh, State's game plan and getting into Stroud's head a little bit, it could get ugly. And you know, the fans are leaving, you know, early in in Columbus. You know, if if they're getting blown out, man, they're they're on they're on the, they're on uh, seventy five heading north, man. They're out of here. There they're you not going to hang around and get abused anymore. It's just Absolutely. up the road. It's not very far. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Absolutely. All right. Well, I heard a phone ringing. That was Ryan Day, and we're not accepting the call. So <laughs> I, I will just let him know right now. Sorry, Ryan. You want to call later? Go ahead. Um, we, we have touched on the last game of the regular season, Michigan, Ohio state. And what I want to know from Barry first on this one, uh, because of your being steeped in Michigan history and Michigan, Ohio state history in this book that we're about to talk about, where does this rank? Where does that win the 2022 Michigan, Ohio state game? ranked for Barry Gallagher in terms of uh, of 
Michigan efforts in Columbus in particular, but also just Michigan-Ohio State games, period? Well, I think we all know that one of the greatest wins that ever in the history of the rivalry was number 517 when Bo beat Woody in 1969. No doubt. But that was in Ann Arbor. So I did some checking. And if you look back, the biggest win we've ever had in Ohio State is 1946. We beat the Buckeyes 58-6. to six. But we didn't win the Big Ten championship that year. I think Minnesota won it. So that there wasn't that much on the line. Bragging rights, all that stuff. We finished second. I think, I think they finished third. The next biggest win was one of the great days in Michigan football history when Tom Harmon, number 98, goes down there in 1940, and they put a 40 to nothing whooping on him. And for the first and only time in the series history, Ohio State fans give Tom Harmon a standing ovation as he leaves the field. Okay, that will never happen again. You know that. Oh, yeah. Never going to happen. Never going to happen. I will say this. They stood at the end this year, but they didn't say a word. That's <laughs> they, right. They, they were. stood in stunned silence. Yes. Zip it. That was zip it, man. There was nothing <laughs> to say. And, it, and so many people left. And like Tom was talking about, I think, last week's show – so many people from Michigan, they had the rotten seats. They were down in the good seats yeah. at the end of the game because all the Buckeye fans were gone. Yeah, no so, doubt. 1904, we won uh, 31 to 6. So that's a 25-point win. Mm-hmm. And then, so this is this is tied for fourth as the all-time biggest point difference in Ohio. Uh, Bo shut him out 22 to nothing. What a, what a marvelous game that was. 26, yeah. And that started Bo's. That started Bo's three-game winning streak at the end of the series so that he was able to finish, you know, with a winning record against the Buckeyes and a winning record against Woody. But uh, I think, you know, 45-23 in a game where, you know, everybody thought the Buckeyes would score 40-something and we would have to score maybe 50 to win it, which wasn't unrealistic because the offense, when they're rolling, they can do some things and – But we saw some things that we hadn't seen all year with Donovan Edwards. And I got to tell you, I don't know if you guys figured this out. Donovan Edwards is now the record holder for the most rushing yards in a series game in Ohio. He ran for 216 yards. He broke the record by Mr. Jamie Morris. Jamie Morris, yes, sir. 1986, Jamie had 210. Wow. So that was something that really caught my eye. It was it was a great game. And so I think that this one is the greatest road victory in Michigan, Ohio State history. And I I just don't know if it's right up there with the number 517. That was number 888, by the way. So we're getting close to that magic number that nobody else is even close to. And uh, it was it was, I think, the greatest road win in rivalry history and uh, one that Michigan fans are going to relish for a long, long time. And that is the perfect segue to talking about, once again, this book, that uh, the greatest football story ever told, uh, Michigan-Ohio State, 1897 to 2022. And uh, Barry, 
just uh, talk a, a little bit about how this project came to be. I've gone through this. You've got uh, you've got a uh, a summary of every one of those football games uh, between Michigan and Ohio State that was played uh, in this book. I, if you want to be able to r- rattle off Michigan Ohio State like Barry Gallagher, you know you'll you'll want a copy of this. But talk about how this, as Bob Eufer would have said, this labor of love came about. Well, that is the exact word, John, labor of love, because the first, you know, up till 2000, it was pretty easy to write because Michigan still had a 15 game, you know, difference in wins and losses and stuff. And, you know, they had huge advantage. And then the Trestle years and the Urban Meyer years, that was, you know, from 2000 to 2019 was it took me like a month to write that. I just had to get in the right mindset, and it wasn't easy. The rest right. of it was fairly easy. The research was fun. Uh, John, you wouldn't believe this, but I I use this book of yours a lot. There you go. Look at this thing. It's <laughs> dog ear. It's got it's got stuff in it. Uh, you know, it's just the green the green tags are for. Uh, Sparty and the yellow ones are just like football first. The red ones is Ohio State stuff. This book gets me going in a lot of ways. So I love this book. But it's we'll talk about that some other time. Thank um, you. So I just, you know, I did the Michigan, Michigan State book, and that was fun because my my boys, I have two Spartan sons, then I have two the favorite Wolverines, and my daughter, she just wants us all to get along. But my wife. My wife is a Sparty. And so I had to do this. I had to do this right. And uh, when I when I did it, you know, most people that read it, they, they, they said, Barry, you know, I, I liked your book. And I got to tell you, I read, I'm a Spartan fan, so I really enjoyed the Spartan wins. And I didn't spend a lot of time reading about the Michigan victories. And I said, I get it. That's perfect. That's the way I wrote it. Because there's enough in there. For, for people to be happy about both sides of the rivalry. And with the Michigan Ohio State book, I was fascinated by what I learned about Michigan and Michigan State. And I just knew as I didn't want to learn as much as I learned about Ohio State, but I had to learn some things to tell the story correctly and accurately. And it's that's why I call it the greatest football story ever told, because you know, you've got great rivalries all over the country, but for longevity, we're one of the top 10 or 15 for, you know, the top two winningest teams. Who would have thought that in 1897, when they played for the first time, that 118 years later, or 118 games later, they would be the two winningest teams in the history of college football. Yeah. Those two right there, one, two. And... Uh, and the reason that is, I think, is because once Ohio State quit playing all their little softies in the 1890s and early 1900s, all they're doing was playing two teams from, from Kentucky, Kentucky State and University of Kentucky, and they're playing all the little Oberlins and, you know, Wittenbergs and all this other stuff. They weren't really playing anybody in football. Michigan, by the way, they were going after they were going after Harvard and Yale when they were having trouble finding games in the, in the area. They were they were sticking their neck out there and they were trying to find out what it took to be really good. 
And so they built on that. And then once Ohio State decided they wanted to be pretty good, they knew, they absolutely knew that the road to football excellence would have to travel through Ann Arbor. And they would have to become more like Michigan and less like the Ohio State regional team that they were at that time. The state team, really. So I got after it. I used the same format, like you said. I start off every chapter with some background about the era, maybe some changes in the game. And so you can kind of track how the game grew over the years. And then we talked about the actual game. Then I talk about a series update, and I let you know who's up. And Michigan's been up for the entire series. It's never been tied. And now we're up 60 to 51 to 6. Of course, Buckeye fans, like, they don't like it that that one win was taken away. But, you know, you know, Trestle cheated. I'm sorry. Uh, and that's the way it goes. So, you know, officially that game, even though they won in 2010, that game was taken away and it should have been. Um, so it's, it's complete. And I waited, I had some issues down the road. My, my, uh, book cover guy, his father died and we were making some changes to the book cover. And then my guy, the official Bill Lemonier, who wrote a, a foreword for the Michigan state book, uh, he, he did six Michigan-Ohio State games, and he is, he is so fun to talk to. Man, I told him he's got to write a book. He, yeah. he's, I told him, Bill, you got to write Zebra Tales and, and, and just go for it. If you go into his basement, he has pictures of zebras all over the place that have been given to him over the years from people. He's a zebra. He loves it. But uh, it's, just, it's just what it needs to be. And uh, Yeah. Well, as and for the those that don't know, Bill Lemonier, the longtime Big Ten official, that uh, was very very familiar to uh, to Michigan fans. Before we move on, I just want to to give you an opportunity. Well, I'll, I'll say this first: uh, you have a fair amount in common with Mr. Tom Crawford uh, in that you're both steeped in Michigan history. And you both, uh, with uh, East Lansing resident Tom Crawford, have uh, have that mixture in family of uh, of Wolverine and Spartan, and uh, understand the uh, the delicate uh, balance of everybody getting along, but uh, but understanding your personal priorities. Hey, hey, can, I, can I interject though on on one Ohio State game that no one's addressed so far in our podcast? And I, and I know that it stung the most, and that's 1996. Michigan uh, went down to, as a heavy underdog to Ohio State. That's the tie streets touched on the slant from Brian Greasy. Dreisbach got hurt. And Mich- Ohio State was in position to win a national championship, okay? They were number two in the nation. Michigan had just got thumped at home by Penn State. Remember the block punt, John? And um, they went down, and they beat Ohio State 13-9, and the reason I, I wanted to cite that game, guys, is because I was in the stands and I never saw so much pain and anguish in that crowd. And then driving home, hearing the call-ins on the local, uh, you know, Tim May was on the show and some other people uh, uh, hosting a show, uh, uh, former players, uh, the pain in their voices was a wonderful, wonderful thing. And doing it on the road, I was at the game. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was at all these games, okay? But that one hurt Ohio State so bad. That's the sweetest because the expectations were nil. 
going into that game. John, you were at that game. You know what I'm talking about. I was not only at that game. I was on the field at the end of that game. Yes. And I I think I've – I don't know if I've mentioned this on the air or not, but uh, I felt a big thump at the as Michigan was running out the clock and uh, something hit me in the in the back of the right calf and I looked down at the turf uh, and it was an Ohio State seat cushion that had been hurled from the stands and uh, I, <laughs> I I always wished I kind of uh, just taken it and tucked it into my bag as as a sort of a, a souvenir from that game but uh, yeah the folks the folks so, were not happy that day. Right, and Marcus Wright had the pick, and he wanted to run all the way to uh, the end zone and do OHIO. And remember, Chris Howard, remember those third-down conversions. They ran the ball. Lloyd wanted to run the football to get – and they and they, they ran the clock down to virtually nothing. That was a sweet one. No no championship on the line, but it set up 97 when Michigan won the national. There you yep. go. Well, um, be uh, – I want to give Barry one more chance to uh, to plug the book and tell people first of all how they can get a hold of uh, of your book, the greatest football story ever told. Well, the easiest way right now, because of those issues, we had some production issues and we had to delay the the publication of the book. And I did get a a, a Kindle version out that was during the week of Ohio State Michigan week. And then I waited, and actually, like like you, John, after the game, I was writing away, man, and we we got it out. So it's current through this year's game, mm-hmm. and good, uh, good. you know we got everything done. So it's it's as current as any book about the rivalry is. There's one goes way back to 1987. Bill Cromartie, have you ever heard of him, Tom? Bill Cromartie, yeah, sounds real familiar. Why do I know that name? Well, he wrote a book called The Big One. And it yeah. was it went from 1897, and the last game was 1987. So that's one of the things okay. I did before I started writing the book. I thought, well, what's current? What do we have out there? Yes. And that was yes. the most current book. And then um, the guys from Ann Arbor that do the picture books, the guy that used to be a security guy, and uh, he's, he does a nice job. He did, uh, he did uh, Minnesota, Michigan. He just has a lot of pictures, but not a lot of uh, text. He did one on Michigan, Ohio State, and that was a good one, too. But that was 2015. So I figured it was time for an update. And uh, so now the book is available and it's coming fast. If you order the book on Amazon, you'll get it in two to three days max. And I I've, I've bought some that way to give to some friends. And I can, I can also get author copies. But guess what? My first author copy shipment isn't coming until January 2nd. Ah, okay. It's crazy. So they want you to get right off the site and get them. And uh, Scott Hills at the MDEN has been so patient, and he's got a big order coming, but I won't have that until January 2nd. And then I got to get it to him. I'm thinking I might drive it or uh, we'll ship it, you know, one day uh, FedEx or something just to get it there because he said that people are really asking about it and they want to uh, they want to see what's up. So that's, that's how it all right. Done. Very, very good. Um, we're be patient if uh, if you want to go to the MDAN and get it. But uh, there are other ways, as Barry mentioned. Uh, check that out. I know about uh, the big one because I used that for reference for many years. And uh, now you've got an updated 
uh, version of uh, the Ohio State-Michigan uh, series and rivalry. And uh, very, we thank you for uh, letting us know about that. We're going to do some quick right, uh, lightning rounds as we get down the, in the last 10 minutes or so of the podcast. I, I just want to ask you both, and uh, Tom, we'll start with you on this one. Is the Michigan-Ohio State series back on even footing in your mind? Uh, I know Ohio State wants to think of these last two years as an aberration. Or has Michigan positioned itself to get on a little run here, throw things back the other way? Yeah, yeah, I think um, here's my thoughts on this. Uh, you know, yeah, one year, you know, it was one year aberration. All of a sudden, you got from, uh, you know, you got a jubilee, you, know, you got validation this year, okay? Jubilation last year, validation this year. I think uh, to get the, the one in Ann Arbor next year, if Michigan pulls that one off, then then all of a sudden uh, all bets are off. This thing, this uh, Ohio State domination in, in Y2K kind of goes away a little bit. And the other thing, that the impact of these two games, Michigan has beaten Ohio State to win a Big Ten title, to, to go to Indy to win that Big Ten title, and go to the CFP. Um, and so, yeah, I talked about that 96 upset. That was cool and everything. But uh, to, to actually – Use it as a pathway to get to the CFP is extra special, and it takes that rivalry and balances it out a little bit more because we're talking about Michigan beating Ohio State over and over and over, and um, as it as it happened. And so, yeah, I, it, next year though, if they, to answer your question, if Michigan grabs that one next year, I think they're going to. Then, then all of a sudden, all that all that Ohio State leverage goes away quite a bit. All right, Barry, your thoughts on this question. Uh, back to even footing, or where are we? Well, I think we're in a better place. Harbaugh still is 2-5 and five against the Buckeyes, and a lot of fans won't let him forget that. But I, I, I always think about when James Joseph Harbaugh got to Ann Arbor, we had to suffer through what I call the Adidas years, 2007 to 2015. And that was, you know, we had one win. We had, 11, yeah. we had three wins, three wins in 20 years. Yeah. So we Not were good. way, way, way back. We were getting killed in recruiting. We were missing bowl games. Um, and, you know, if you know if you miss a bowl game, you know what happens. It affects your recruiting. It affects your extra practices, your player development. All that stuff just goes in the wrong direction. So when Harbaugh came in, he had a pretty good-sized mountain to climb. And everybody thought, oh, he'd get it fixed, no problem. And, you know, one or two years of hardball, he'll, he'll take us to the, to the promised land. And it is so competitive. And Ohio State had such an advantage with their recruiting and the winning streaks and all this stuff that it was tough. And it was tough with, you know, competing with some of the other teams that we were trying to compete with. D'Antonio was, was making life miserable for this you know, Wolverines and Wisconsin was playing well. We were, we were having trouble with more than just Ohio state. And that was a huge effort. So now way better place, the culture, even though like I agree with the Eric all thing, I have no idea what what's going on with that kid, but you know, from the military standpoint, leadership, you, you want leaders who are going to be solid for you and they're going to stand for the organization and stand for the team. I don't know what happened to that young man, but he's he's like like you said, uh, John. He was sound pretty bitter, and that's unfortunate. But 
you know, if, if you don't, you know, Cade didn't sound bitter, but he was disappointed because, hey, Harbaugh has been telling him ever since he got there that this is a meritocracy and the best of the best are going to represent us on the field. And that's how it's going to be. And if you're not comfortable with that, then, you know, the portal. But he was not comfortable that coming out of camp, Barry. I mean, yeah. and this is yeah. what I got upset with, what, you yeah. know, not upset with him, but it really jarred my attention that he said he, you know, at Big Ten Media Days and then leading up to, it was his job. He's earned a job. So, yeah. I mean, I, and that, I didn't, I didn't like that went over like a lead balloon with me. Yeah. I mean, you got, you got to earn your, you got to earn your position in practice every freaking day, especially those Tuesday and Wednesday practices. Yeah. And I didn't like that attitude. I, I hear you. I'm, I will just say this as a, not even a counterpoint, but a, a mild, uh, uh, I, I just, when I think of Cade McNamara, even now I'm hearing him speak out of a place of deep hurt as a young man who is still growing and maturing. And, you know, I, I don't like some of the things that uh, I'm hearing, but at the same time, I am going to try to think of Cade McNamara as the guy that, uh, that really helped lead Michigan out of the wilderness and uh, into that breakthrough win against Ohio State. But uh, I understand what you're saying. I don't, I don't disagree with it. But uh, that's, that's still kind of where I'm at there. Barry, you mentioned um, recruiting, how that fell off for a while. So much uh, the NIL has become massive in recruiting. Michigan has said we're not going to use NIL in recruiting to offer kids up front. Okay, you're going to – if you come here, you're going to make this amount. And yet we hear – that Michigan is reaching a crisis point or a turning point in how it approaches NIL and that with the, the, the advent of Santa Ono as president, uh, this, this is a guy that wants to be very competitive in every single area. And oh yes, he cares about at Michigan athletics and Michigan football maybe more than a whole lot of presidents we've seen in recent years. Do you think that, uh, that Michigan is going to have to ramp up its game there as far as, uh, as NIL? And do you think they'll follow through with it? Barry, you start. Well, I think they will because the SEC, the, the teams they want to play for national championships, you know, probably a lot of the time they're, they're doing crazy stuff with their players and um you know Ohio State I doubt that they're they're sitting by and, and waiting to see what Michigan's going to do they're going to they're going to take it as far as they can and we you know I just don't think we want to stay in the catch-up mode maybe we get out front of it maybe we do some innovative things that are legal of course but Michigan <clears throat> there's so many smart people running around with media type backgrounds and stuff I I see no reason why they can't be the leaders and the best in NIL that helps the kids, and it helps uh, college football. All right, Tom. Then I, I, how yeah. does how does Michigan navigate that fine line between its its stance, its stated stance so far? We're not going to use it to recruit. Uh, I I was sitting at a table at Big Ten Media Days lunch. Jake Butt was at the table where he made his. Uh, he made that statement many times over Big Ten Media Days called Michigan's got to adapt or die. 
when it comes to NIL. And that's just the God's awful truth. I mean, they're going to have to ramp things up or else they're going to, they're, you know, they're going to be, it's like Jake Butts. They're going to be the guy saying, get off the old man saying, get off my lawn. You, you can't go, you know, Neanderthal man on this thing. You have to be progressive. And I, you know, we're seeing, look at recruiting right now. Uh, Michigan is, is, you know, they're coming off a second big 10 championship. Yeah. They've done well in the last couple of weeks. You got to manage the portal. Yeah, recruiting. I mean, Harbaugh's in Chicago today and all this stuff, and that's great. But that they should be in the top five. I mean, come on. This is ridiculous. I mean, look at everybody else up there. Notre Dame's up there. And and you're, you're going to have to, as Jake Bud said, you got to adapt. I would get as aggressive as possible on this deal, or else you're, you know, you're you're just going to be on the outside looking in. And I know it's a conservative thing, and I know I, I agree you don't. You don't go out and say you don't entice some kid maybe with a with a sweet NIL deal that Dante Moore is getting victimized or Oregon got victimized by the other Pac-12 teams and he's all going his head's going in circles. I mean, it's crazy, but let the NCA set the criteria, set the protocols on that, but do what everybody else is doing, or else you're going to get burned. All right. Well, that's uh, the the sort of answer that we would expect out of Tom Crawford, who doesn't <coughs> hold back his. Uh, his opinions in the slightest. Um, let's finish with this one because uh, you talk about an, an upbeat note for a former Wolverine. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson is absolutely tearing it up in the NFL. And uh, that has led to some pointing out and some digging up some, uh, some sound clips from earlier in the season of, uh, of a couple of guys that, uh, Tom, you know very well. One, uh, Mike Valenti and another Rico Beard talking about how Aiden Hutchison looks weak and looks uh, out of place and he's probably not going to make it and those sorts of things. Um, Aiden Hutchison is letting his play do the talking for him now Tom Crawford, your thoughts about how you talked about uh, ad- the the need to adapt, how he has adapted in a big way to the next level. Yeah, I remember though, you know, they call him Gator Arms, you know, and all this stuff. And and you know, that's just you know, with Mike and and Rico, that's just being that's just hating on Michigan. That's kind of how they're wired. That's their DNA. You take it with a grain of salt. You know, uh, there were you know he he got slow out of the game, but there was a position change with Aiden Hutchinson. He went from not all, you know, always being in a, in a three-point stance down to a two-point stance. He was having ca- pass coverage responsibilities. He got an interception um, uh, that, you know, again, you know, uh, against uh, against the Packers. It was it was huge against Aaron Rodgers, no less. And I just, uh, he's blossoming and he's doing it with enthusiasm unknown to mankind, like his coach taught him to do in college. And um, he's going to be the NFL Rookie of the Year. But I think the position change, and then and then the Lions had a um, a coaching change in the in the secondary. That guy got fired. There's been some changes and some philosophical changes on that defense. They're much better now. The offense is potent as heck. And uh, I'm a Lions fan, man. Let's go Lions. I mean, I never. I'm so Michigan oriented, but uh, I'm I'm looking for that Jets game. Aiden Hodges is going to get some more sacks on Sunday at one o'clock. Well, there you go. I I promised. Uh... Chris Hutchison, Aiden's dad, whom I covered, I, after I told him, look, your, your kid makes me feel older than any other Michigan player ever has because <laughs> I covered yeah. you and then yeah. I covered him. 
Right. But I said I am going to I am going to give the Lions another shot now because <laughs> it's it's just the right thing to do. Barry, I'm going to give you the last word on this. You you're steeped in Michigan history. You know about the Chris Hutchinson's time in uh, at Michigan and now Aiden's. Uh, your thoughts on him and his very successful transition to the NFL? Well, I think you know the key word is transition. He has to do some different things in the Lions system. And the NFL is, is big boy football. I mean, Big Ten football is big boy football, but this is really big boy football. And he's going up against guys every week that are monsters. And he, he gets pushed around a little bit, but all the everybody gets pushed around in that league. But he's playing smart. That interception he made was a very intelligent play. He knew that he wasn't going to get anything, so he just looked at what he could do, and he watched his eyes. And he stretched out that six foot six, seven, six foot seven frame. He made a great play. And he's just a smart player. He's going to get better with every game. And he's going to be wreaking havoc in the NFL for a while. And he's, he's outspoken enough and he's charismatic enough to get the guys, especially the young guys that are on that team, and uh, to just kind of lift them up with him. And then the veterans that are, that are going to be with him for a while. They're starting to put together a really, really good core of players that really is hungry and that they're playing just physical, tough Michigan football, and now they're playing it in, in Detroit. I love it. A little, uh, little swagger from that young man, and it seems to be contagious. So, hey, Barry Gallagher, Tom Crawford, thanks so much for both of you joining us. Um, once again, check out Barry's book, That uh, Greatest Football Story Ever Told. And, um, again, thanks for being with us. We will do this, uh, Tom, you and I, again very soon. And, Barry, best of luck with the book. And, uh, again, appreciate you joining us and all that you bring to it. Thanks, John. Thanks, Barry. It was fun being on. It was fun meeting you, Tom, and I really enjoyed watching you the last few weeks. I'll keep watching you guys. Keep up all the right. good stuff. All right. Thanks. Take care. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.